Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So this train, at long last, is becoming a story. It's becoming a discussion. What in the world has taken place in East Palestine, Ohio? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. The EPA keeps telling everybody that everything's fine. The air quality, fine. The water quality, fine. No one believes them. Over there in Cincinnati, they're writing about, is the water safe to drink? Because the leaking has taken place. And and that leaking has gone into, of course, the Ohio River. That is an issue. If you feel that you've now contaminated the Ohio River, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, oh, there's a large swath of areas that could be affected. But it's not just water that could be affected. What about uh, the, the air? Is the air affected? People in the area will tell you uh, that they smell it, that they get headaches, that their pets are starting to have uh, issues, lethargic and sluggish and, and, and things like that, throwing up. And yet everyone's told that everything's fine. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be silly. Everything is fine. The Los Angeles Times is writing uh, about this. The Los Angeles Times is like, hmm. This this could be a problem. Senator J.D. Vance speaking uh, uh, about this. Very, very concerned and giving advice for people near East Palestine, Ohio, when he was on earlier today with Maria Bartiromo over there at Fox Business. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is calling on Congress to look into the East Palestine trail uh, train derailment that caused hazardous chemicals to spill all over the ground. Toxic smoke, plumes of, of that burned for days. Here's the governor. Watch this. Even though some rail cars did have hazardous material on board, uh, and while most of them did not, that's why it was not uh, categorized as a high hazardous material train. Uh, frankly, uh, if this is true, and I'm told it's true, uh, this is absurd. So East Palestine is planning a town hall tonight. Uh, the residents are raising health concerns. Obviously, some of them say that they are actually experiencing symptoms. You've got Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, once again MIA. He's being slammed for waiting 10 days to address this disaster, Senator. What have you done and what can you tell us in terms of what you're hearing from constituents about this? So I thought Bartiromo did a good job of, of setting that all up in the statement there uh, from, from the governor. Absurd indeed, and, and no one's going to buy in. Now, this part about Buttigieg, this is not a, oh, let's slam a Democrat time. This is the Secretary of Transportation who knows nothing about transportation. You have these, these cars burning chemicals, and what are you doing? You're going out into the world reminding everybody that the real problem that we have in America, the real, real issue, the real story is too many white construction workers. 
to work with your contractors, uh, to work with your community colleges on building a workforce that reflects the community. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the good paying jobs, don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Right. You can build community wealth that will help close wealth gaps in this country if we can tear down those barriers. But that happens at the delivery level. This is what he's focused on. This is the horror of ideology. You have people breathing in these chemicals. You have these chemicals seeping into the Ohio River. Why is there not more attention paid to this? Because it happened in Ohio? Because it wasn't something that happened in, I don't know, a liberal enclave? It didn't happen to the right group of people? I don't know. What in the it's environmental it 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 shows incompetence it shows danger you have people's lives at risk but it's not getting any coverage it's crazy but we do know that Pete Buttigieg is not up to the task look at what he focuses on instead of people's lives ideology and not the job he can't do the job he doesn't understand how rail works he doesn't understand what to do in a derailment he has no connection to the ability of actually doing something that could be helpful in these moments he doesn't have it he's an incompetent incompetent man oh sure he was a road scholar oh he was a mckinsey consultant in the real world He's just bad at his job. He's only there to fill out the suit, help Joe Biden check the box, and then uh, not worry about it, because those are the only two things that matter. Meanwhile, Senator J.D. Vance, in response to Maria Bartiromo. Well, there's a few things, Maria. First of all, Governor DeWine is exactly right. This train was not labeled as high hazardous. We're looking into why that was. That's likely a screw up on the Department of Transportation side, and we're trying to investigate that as we speak. Uh, the second thing, the thing that we're most focused on right now, Maria, is the quality of the air and water, especially the water. Uh, we're encouraging everybody to get their ground wells tested. There are a lot of private wells in this area, and we want to make sure that the water is safe to drink. The EPA, we've been really hammering them on what the acceptance acceptable safety levels are uh, for the drinking water in East Palestine. We've yet to get the answers that we want, and so we're continuing to follow up on that. Uh, and then there's, there's the third element of this, Maria, is why did this happen in the first place? Why wasn't the train labeled as high hazardous? That means that a lot of people didn't know what was on the train in the first place. Why have we gotten into a position where we're having hundreds of train derailments every year in this country when we just spent a trillion dollars on infrastructure? This stuff should be becoming less likely, uh, not happening as frequently as it is. So there's there's a lot of issues here, but right now my main focus is the health and safety of the groundwater in East Palestine. Yeah. Now the saga, of course, in Ohio is going to continue, and I am certainly worried about those people. I don't know if I'm worried because I live in Indiana and it might have an effect on me or, or, or my family. I'm not actually as concerned uh, about that, but I am noticing that there is a part two to this story that is getting even less coverage than the train derailment and the fires and the chemical burns going on. Literally, they're burning the chemicals out. That's how this is happening. Controlled burns. This is super dangerous stuff. Do you know 
that there have been in the United States just in this year more than a dozen train derailments? Does that seem like a lot to anybody else? I'm trying to remember when they get they get mentioned. There's been more than a dozen train derailments. We're six weeks, seven weeks into the year. There was one that happened on January 19th in Ohio. Several train cars stretching over miles between the towns of Trinway and Adams Mill. In that one, the cars were empty. Three uh, occurred in South Carolina. Newsweek says one is not fully uh, confirmed. January 9th, 20 cars derailing. Um, January 21st, multiple cars carrying rocks and gravel. What's wrong with the train system? Honestly, what's wrong? Is this a conversation of the actual tracks having issues? Is this a conversation of the trains having issues? Is this a conversation of not having qualified staff to run the trains and keep an eye on the tracks? Is that part of the issue? I think these are all good questions. I think these are all acceptable questions. I'm staring. I'm watching just like you. And I'm wondering what it is that we're seeing here. You know how many airline accidents we have? Well, gosh, uh, you'd know it if they had happened. The airline industry is outrageously safe, and I'm not trying to put the Kavorka on anything. I fly in a couple weeks. I'll be in D.C., the District of Columbia, just outside for the Conservative Political Action Conference, presented uh, uh, on my my sponsor there, Relay Indiana. Really looking forward uh, to to that uh, trip. We'll have the interviews. We'll have the conversations. It's going to be just just terrific. Cigars for everybody. All right, just for me, just for me. It's going to be good. Then I get on that flight. There was a United flight, and I recently flew uh, um, United, fl- uh, United, and they, they did a great job, um, where this United flight from Hawaii came within 775 feet of plunging into the Pacific. It dove 1,400 feet in under a minute shortly after takeoff came within 775 feet of the Pacific uh, as it headed off to San Francisco. They retrained everybody. It's kind of crazy that the plane engaged this descent rate of 8,600 feet per minute per minute before the crew regained control. Like, that's, that's super frightening. And that's super rare, but we've heard about some rare things before. Planes almost hitting each other on takeoff, and that's air traffic control, and those things can happen. Is that the story here? Is there something else going on? Is there a real issue with our transportation world? That's what they should be asking. One of the questions we should be asking from this. The other one is a real big one. Why is it, why, why, why is it that a that train of this size, this magnitude, carrying these chemicals could get derailed and literally no one says anything. How how does that happen? And the answer is, I don't know. But in a world of everything has got to be something, I believe it's purposeful. They didn't want to pay attention to this. 
They didn't want to notice this. And the question is why? Was it political? Did it have to do with money? We got to get answers. We need answers. And what we need is for the people of East Palestine to be safe and do what we can to help them. I'm Tony Katz. So Mike Pence, he's the former vice president of the United States. He's going to fight the subpoena from the Department of Justice, which I was told his legal team had been working with to ensure that everything was going to work out. I don't understand what's going on at all. I thought we were told by the former vice president's team that they had been working with the DOJ because they want to interview Mike Pence regarding what Trump may have or may have not said regarding overturning the 2020 election results. This is the purpose of the Department of Justice Special Counsel, Jack Smith. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833-468-8669, got Tony. It's good to be with you. This is all about whether or not Donald Trump worked to to overturn the election. Of course, I don't think you're going to be able to find anything. I don't think you're going to be able to find a single solitary thing. I really don't. Trump wanted you to check this. Hey, look into that. Hey, what about this? What about that? Those are all conversations. What are our options here? What are our options there? You go through all of the options. That's not attempting to overturn. Saying what are my options here is what normal people do. Well, I didn't ask if you like Trump. I didn't ask if you like Trump. I don't don't actually care. Means nothing to me about whether or not you like Trump. Just it's what normal people do. Normal people check all of their options. So they want to take a look at Mike Pence and say, hey, uh, you may have spoken to President Trump. Maybe you've got some information. Tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us. And Pence is like, oh, um, well, uh, 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 Pence is not interested in saying in saying a thing. But what we were told was that Pence's legal team was working with the special counsel to figure out how and when and where Um uh, he he would uh, in, in give his testimony or, or, or give his responses. And we were told last week that that was kind of worked out. And I remember saying at the time, wait a second. If it's worked out, why the subpoena? Why would you need to subpoena Mike Pence regarding testimony if you had already worked out with Pence's lawyers about testifying? It didn't didn't make any sense to me. I didn't know if there was maybe there, there was some other legal standard that having the subpoena meant, whatever the case may be. It was, it was a tough guy move because, you know, the DOJ loves their tough guy moves, right? So it could have been one of those things. But now Pence is saying, look, um, I'm shielded uh, from being called. Um, something that would be referred to, uh, this is uh, as Politico puts it, The speech and debate clause. Now, follow what I'm about to say here, because this gets pretty dang interesting. Um, It's a clause in the Constitution. It's Article 1, Section 6. um, That members of uh, the, the House, of both houses, shall in cases accept treason, felony, and breach of the peace, 
be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and from the same and for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. Pretty interesting. So how in the world would this apply to the vice president? The vice president is arguing that during his time on the Capitol, he is the president of the Senate. And therefore, he is a member and therefore cannot be subjected to any of this. It's a take. It's a take and it's a fascinating one. I do love a good constitutional argument, and you should too. It matters greatly. Will it hold? Ah, ba 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 ba. Well, it's worth a shot. I heard somebody say it might delay, but it won't deny. Meaning, eh, they'll go through the steps, but in the end, he's going to get called. Now, what isn't known as is whether or not there will be um, executive privilege asserted. So that would be, whoa, 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 I was the president of the United States speaking to my vice president, and that's our conversation about things going on regarding the country, and you don't get to know what those are. And so, no, you don't get to ask him those questions. I assert the privilege of the office as I held it, and you don't get to ask that. Now, if you want to go about stating that executive privilege shouldn't exist, you don't get to say it shouldn't exist just for Donald Trump. You're saying that it shouldn't exist. And that, boys and girls, creates a whole nother realm of issues. Because if it doesn't exist here, well, then how in the world is it going to exist anywhere else? But now, the left always believes that it'll exist for them, just not for you. Mitch McConnell, and Mitch McConnell has been wrong as of late. But he wasn't wrong when he didn't allow Merrick Garland to be on the Supreme Court. I cocaine! Cocaine Mitch is my man! And Mitch McConnell wasn't wrong when he said to Harry Reid, the former senator from Nevada, a man I despised. I just talk about a bad guy. He said of Harry Reid, when Harry Reid said, okay, we'll go nuclear option on the filibuster to be able to get uh, the things we need done, done. We only need 51 votes. We don't need cloture. Mitch McConnell said, you will regret this. And then judicial nominees, Supreme Court nominees, and everything else came. And, well, they regretted it. Of course they regretted it. But what they were most stunned by was that the things were turned around and it was used against them. They're not used to things being used against them. They didn't even know things could be used against them. They believe they can do whatever they want and you can do only what they let you. And they learned from that that that's not the case. If they do away with executive privilege, well, could be a real thing. Now, will they? Can they? Can it be tossed aside? I, I, I don't even know if it's possible, and I doubt that they would do it. But we're not to that stage yet. In the meantime, Pence is fighting the subpoena. We'll see how the gonna see how the fight goes. I, I, I wish the man nothing uh, but the but the absolute best. I can't imagine he would say much. This is Tony Katz today. 
Subway is for sale. No, 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 not, not, not a Subway. Subway, the sandwich shop, is for sale. No, 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 not one sandwich shop. The whole damn thing. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Exactly. Change approved. I also believe in that too. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Dude, what is with my voice? I don't know, I, I feel fine. It just, just sounds a little, so, sounds like I need a bourbon. It's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, they put out a statement that its shareholders are, quote, exploring a possible sale. They've hired J.P. Morgan to help conduct the process, and they warned that there's, quote, no indication of timing or assurance that a sale will occur. Now, this is about a month after, quote, exploring a possible sale. They've hired J.P. Quote, exploring a possible sale. They've hired J.P. Morgan to help conduct the process. And they warned that there's, quote, no indication of timing or assurance that a sale will occur. Now, this is about a month after the Wall Street Journal broke the news that Subway was possibly exploring a sale. And they took a look at, well, what could it be valued at? What in the world does Subway value at? I mean, they make a lot of sandwiches. They do make a lot of, of sandwiches with very watery turkey. I don't know what the deal is there. I don't. It's been a long time since I've had a Subway sandwich. Uh, it's probably been a year or so since I've had a Subway salad. I know. I know. I'm so weak. I can't eat the bread. I can't eat the bread. If I eat the bread and and I just so I, I don't get too gross here, uh, I'll explode. That's that's my problem. If I eat the bread, uh, things get really, really, really bad. All right, all right, all right. Uh 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 uh. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Well, it's not that. I mean, that's just unnecessary. That was just rude. You should apologize right there. Uh, It's just, it's it's awful. Uh, So they they figured out a value, and they took a look at, for example, Duncan. So Duncan was purchased by Inspire Brands in October of 2020, $11.3 billion. And I I didn't know the number until, until I came across the story and I started thinking about it. I'm like, that's low, right? That's low. 11.3 billion is totally low for Duncan, which is, which is now a coffee company. And does anybody actually care about a Dunkin' Donut? Like, does anybody savor? Oh my gosh, this Dunkin' Donut, this is by far the best quality donut I've ever had. No one. That hasn't happened in 20 years. Growing up, growing up in Jersey, like I know exactly where that Dunkin' Donuts is. I'm in Middletown, New Jersey. I know exactly where that Dunkin' Donuts is. I wasn't a coffee drinker then. I never, I never went. But it was actually, it was in the middle of Route 35, and you could get there from both from both sides of of the of the highway. That is called the highway. It's called Route 35. Uh, and I was like, that's a that's a pretty dang good location right there. That's a pretty good location for the Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, that's where it was. Why, it wasn't? Well, you didn't grow up in Middletown. Don't tell me. 
But it, Dunkin' Donuts was the place for coffee. It was the place for coffee before Wawa came to town. It was the place for coffee. 11 point, but, and, and, and also, I should say, you, you felt like you got a good donut. No one thinks that now. No one. In my beloved Indiana, and Dunkin' Donuts, they still do a solid job with coffee. It's not where you go for donuts. There's so many other places to go for donuts. I'm not even mad at them. I'm not saying you can't get a donut there. It will do. A Dunkin' Donuts donut in a pinch will do. Am I going to get sued? Is that basically what's happening? In a pinch, you'll be like, oh, a donut. Thank you. And you'll be like, hmm, lovely. But there's so many good places. And I don't know if that's just an Indiana thing or or uh, it's it's nationwide. When I lived in Los Angeles... And it's weird because you think of Los Angeles as this crazy, you know, health crazy cuckoo kind of kind of place. The number of donut shops was out of control, like three on a corner. It was it was crazy. When I lived in D.C., I never saw so many coffee shops. There were places like uh, Dupont Circle in Washington D.C. You would get to a corner, and there was a Starbucks on three of the four corners. Right, so a corner, four four areas coming together, boom, corner, right? Two streets going, four corners, I should say. Uh, Starbucks on three of the four. And people had their favorites. Oh, I don't go to that Starbucks. You think I'd cross the street for that Starbucks? Ha, I'd rather be a Republican. I assume that's what they were saying in their heads. Um, but it's, it's true, there were Starbucks everywhere. In Los Angeles, specifically the Valley, San Fernando Valley, donut shops everywhere most of them rather good that was my experience most of them rather good when i got to indiana what i found is is first for and and truly uh there's an outrageously good food scene here like outrageously good like delicious good but there is also admittedly a world-class coffee scene here which is nuts because no one thinks of indianapolis when they think of coffee but Indianapolis has this this kind of cool history uh, for for warehousing and shipping. It was the crossroads of America. Still is the crossroads of America. It's how we bill ourselves the crossroads of America. So in in downtown Indianapolis, there's the warehouse district, and. It comes from the fact that, you know, things came from this part of Ohio and the fur trappers of Wisconsin sent down their goods and it got processed here and, and sent out. If if you take a look right next door to the world famous St. Elmo's, the steakhouse and the, and the shrimp cocktail I had some the other day, the nostrils are clear. You'll see Louis G. Dreschler tobacconist, tobaccos, cigars, because, well, not that cigars were so much rolled here, although there is a really interesting history with Evansville, Indiana, and cigars, but because things got processed here and then sent out. So we have these these connections that, that go on, you know, everywhere. And one of the fascinating things that came through was coffee. And I don't know how that ever started, but the remains of it is we have some crazy good coffee roasters in Indianapolis. It, it, it really is incredible. They are fantastic at what they do. Terrific. And I say all this to say nobody uh, should be drinking Starbucks at all. That's just, that's just nuts. But you still can drink Dunkin'. That's still allowed. Oh, I got on such a bender there. I got on such a tear. Lots of twists and, and, and turns. Uh, I bring this all up because...
history with Evansville, Indiana, and cigars, but because things got processed here and then sent out. So we have these these connections that, that go on, you know, everywhere. And one of the fascinating things that came through was coffee. And I don't know how that ever started, but the remains of it is we have some crazy good coffee roasters in Indianapolis. It, it, it really is incredible. They are fantastic at what they do. Terrific. And I say all this to say nobody uh, should be drinking Starbucks at all. That's just, that's just nuts. But you still can drink Dunkin'. That's still allowed. Oh, I got on such a bender there. I got on such a tear. Lots of twists and, and, and turns. Uh, I bring this all up because Duncan, $11.3 billion. So Wall Street Journal thinks that Subway is only valued at $10 billion. And I'm sorry, that's insane. If Duncan in 2020 was worth 11.3, how is Subway today not worth 15? Now, you could say to me, because it costs a lot more to borrow the money these days, so therefore it's worth less. Ain't that true? You, uh, you and I both know that that's totally true. That if they had sold in 2020, when money was cheaper, man, they could have gotten themselves a, a, a bigger, a bigger uh, chunk of money. And Subway has been through like the ringer and come back. You know, they did that whole revamp of the menu like a year ago, and it just... It blossomed. It bloomed. Massive, massive rebound going on. North American stores, uh, they uh, rose 7.8%. Now, some of that has to do with COVID, and some of that has to do with the fact that they did this, this menu kind of refresh, and it really and truly worked. Subway said it exceeded its projections by, by more than $700 million, but didn't necessarily put out the real number. I find that fascinating. I find that absolutely fascinating that that a company like that is like, yeah, we're done. Everybody eventually is done. You know, there's a whole conversation to ask yourself, you know, when you open a business, what is your plan? Right? Is is the plan are you opening it just to exit? Like is is that what you're trying to do? And and me, I'm I'm not personally somebody in favor of this. I I, I get the idea of an exit. I don't think an exit is bad. You want to build something and then send it off to somebody else and you just want to roll in the dollars that comes from building the thing totally makes sense to me but if that was the purpose i can't imagine that that's so much a key to success right shouldn't the the success come from building the thing now you could say to me actually tony i built this thing so i could sell this thing so i could build the thing i wanted to build all right. I, I, I mean, I, I assume that that is possible. As a matter of fact, I'm willing to argue that it's probable. But I just, sometimes when you're, when you're in the business of creation, when you're creating things, you should want to, well, take your time in the creation. Do it right. I don't know if it's so much how uh, people like Gary Vaynerchuk see it, Gary V. Um, you know, he... He likes the business of building the business and everything goes back into the business. And he makes this argument, which I think is a good one, that if you want a Porsche, you got a business, you want a Porsche, well, fine, get yourself a Porsche, but your business will grow slower than mine it does because I've got the resources and you've got a Porsche. And then some people ask, well, isn't this why you work? And he's like, no, 
I do it because I love the process. I love the doing. I don't believe in all work and no play. I do believe it makes Jack a dull boy. But I also believe that if, if you're creating something, one must ask what you're willing to invest in it, what you're willing to do for it. Let me give you an example because it happened today. Today, as I'm getting ready to do the show, um, the internet goes out. The internet goes out. Now, I have a backup and, and, and everything else. I have multiple internet streams, but the internet goes out. On a day where I'm having some final construction work done in my home. You know, we had the flood. We had the, the flood and three pipes burst and man, we, we, we lost a bunch of stuff. But not as bad as other people. I, I, I never I want to make that claim. But we, we lost plenty and the house is finally coming back together. So they're putting in bookcases that got destroyed and everything else. So there's a lot of noise upstairs. I can't move things upstairs to how I would do it to have a, the, the secondary studio, which is already out of commission because of the problems. So today... I could have just said, up. Oh, I can't get it done. There's just no way. You know what? Um, uh, put up a best of. No. I am recording the segments and v- via a, uh, a Wi-Fi card, sending them in. So the answer is I'm live. I'm here. It's today. But I'm doing it a segment early each and every time. Because the show mattered. Yeah, I could have phoned in at this stage of the game. Of course I could have. But that's not the thing you do. Something that business owners need to ask themselves about what they're in it for and how they want to attack it. And maybe how they attack it is how employees might emulate or at least see an interest. But if they see somebody only interested in trying to unload this thing and uh, driving their Porsche, maybe they're going to act differently. I think those things matter and are worthy of conversation. That said, Subway, 10 billion, count me in. Um, uh, investors now welcome. Tony's Subway sandwiches. I like the I like the ring of that. I'm Tony Katz. I'm not sure what hearing this was, but anything that involves Senator John Kennedy usually makes me smile. And this was this was worthwhile. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. This is about China. be with you this is about china and the issues that china presents and senator kennedy is asking a legit question about china and the subject yes indeed of climate change dr letterman do you, do you believe based on your observation you seem to be a very intelligent well-informed man based on your observation of dr Chi of the uh, uh, Mr. Xi Jinping, that Mr. Xi Jinping will ever do anything that is uh, inconsistent with China's best interests in the name of global climate change? I understand that China has a federal carbon tax. Now, China having a federal carbon tax is meaningless. And this guy, uh, Dr. Robert Litterman, who's the chair on climate-related market risk uh, subcommittee for U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. That's who he is. Climate-related market risk subcommittee, U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. They have a carbon tax? 
you think we should emulate that? You you trust that? You you believe them? Oh, it's just opening the door for Senator Kennedy. Okay. Yeah, but but faced with a policy, okay, where China does something that's not in its best interest, but it does it because it's in the global best interest. Do you think President Xi would do that? I think that President Xi understands that we have to work together to address this global problem. Yes, I do. And it will be in the best interest of China to work with the United States to address this problem. So you think problem. the answer is yes? I think the answer is that it's in China's best interest to work with the rest of the world to address this problem, as it is in the United States' you, best interest believe, to work with the rest of the world to believe, address this problem, you to believe, create harmonized incentives to reduce You believe emissions. in the tooth fairy? No, sir. Do you believe in the Easter bunny? <laughs> no, sir. Do you believe that Jimmy Hoffa died of natural causes? No, sir. Okay. That's just, that is just precious. If you think also it's in the United States' best interest to work with China on climate change, you, the United States, will suffer and China will do nothing because what? All communists lie. That's what they do. All communists lie. That's who they are. And while this is going on, Elon Musk, he's uh, appearing at the World Government Summit. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure where this is happening either, but I see a lot of Arabic writing, so I'm going to assume it's an Arab nation. And he's like, oh, by the way, yeah, we totally should not be a world government at all. I know this is called the World Government Summit, um, but um, I think we should be maybe a little bit concerned about uh, actually becoming too much of a single world government. Um, if, if I may say that we want to avoid creating a civilizational risk by having, um, frankly, this may sound a little odd, too much cooperation between governments. Um, you know, if you know, if you look at say the at history and the rise and fall of civilizations, um, the, the really all throughout history, civilizations have risen and fallen. But it hasn't meant the doom of humanity as a whole because there've been there have been all these separate civilizations that were separated by great distances. Or separated by large borders like uh, the Great Wall of China. Or separated by a language. Or separated by a culture. Uh, but most importantly, if we're going to go down this line of thinking from, from uh, Elon Musk, it's that we should not subordinate ourselves to another because they may have very bad ideas that then cause us tremendous grief. Which... Other nations have very bad ideas, which are already causing us tremendous grief. Count me out on the world government stage. I'm with Elon on this one. This is Tony Katz today.